Eternal Kingdom is written by Michelle Roger. This book is edited by Brendan McWilliams. Sound engineered by Steve Nett of Computer Room Services. Graphic novel drawn by Tom Duncan. Music composed, performed, and recorded by Michelle Roger. Eternal Kingdom, Chapter 7 Robbie lay on the floor, breathing hard. Beads of sweat ran down his face from his scalp. Rose had doubled his physical therapy sessions, and he wondered if she was trying to cure him or kill him at the pace they were keeping. As he lifted weights, she read to him the rules of chess, how the pieces moved, and the basics of strategy. "'Why can't we just move ourselves?' Rose protested, looking up from her library book. "'I'm not sure how I'll take it.' being sent to my death? Robbie stopped and smirked, a woman who doesn't like to do what she's told. I suppose you don't mind, Rose pressed. Being on a team is all about trust, even if the play seems unlikely. You have to trust that the captain and the coach have made the best play they can. His smile was wildly infectious. Sometimes an unlikely player will bring out the best outcome. As he said it, he pulled himself up on the weight machine and stood to his feet, and then he let go. Rose threw her book to the floor and placed her hands protectively around Robbie as if forming some invisible force field. Robbie laughed and pulled Rose in, hugging her. Neither of them realized, but they had both begun to cry. Well done, Rose, Robbie whispered. Well done. From that fateful afternoon, Robbie's recovery became unstoppable. Within a week, he was walking with her to the car, waiting in the street below her apartment. To the airport, please, directed Rose. Geraldine awoke at the precise moment that the Parisian sun set. A burning filled her throat, and a voracious hunger threw her into consciousness. She had been dreaming wild and terrible dreams that continued to plague her waking mind. She rolled over to find her bed was empty. Her heightened senses searched the apartment for him. She craved him with a carnal lust nearly equal to the thirst for blood. Her body ached inside and out, and she nearly wept with deep desire and craving on every level. She threw back the covers, revealing her naked body in the lamplight. She called for James, searching the room much like a desperate, caged animal. She could sense him nearby. Why didn't he answer her? She felt her anger growing within and increased her agitation. When James stepped out into the room from the balcony, the wind blew with him a scent and of feasting that begged for to being taken. Naked and famished, Geraldine rushed the balcony, but just before her dainty fingertips reached him, he clicked a small pen-like device and Geraldine collapsed to the floor. She screamed and kicked, grabbing at her throat, twisting her hips. James looked down on her with pity. I don't have time to put up with the unforgivable antics of a newly bitten vampire. You are my secret weapon, and I will keep you as such. James took a deep breath and brought his wrist to his mouth. 
Closing his eyes as if in meditation, he bit hard into his wrist and immediately offered it to Geraldine's perfect lips. Forgetting the pain of her heliobonds, Geraldine greedily drank from James. He had gorged during her metamorphosis in order to master his minion. When James felt she had drunk enough, he pulled away from her hungry mouth. Blood soaked her plump lips and ran down her chin, dripping on her protruding collarbone. She closed her eyes, basking in the intense feeling of satiated bloodlust. Now, James instructed, we've been told to meet the royalty of our opposing team, he grinned. While Cadell will be eating out of your lily-white hands, we must ensure to smash the competition. I promise you a delicious meal once we've reached our destination. James traced the blood on her plump lips and her tongue met his fingertip. Remember, first we put the fear of God into our opponents and then we meet with Cadell. He must desire you above all things. You must become his addiction. Cadell controls the game, but you, my darling, control Cadell. Geraldine laughed. You keep me in blood like that, and I'll have Cadell to his knees. She sauntered to the bathroom and stared at her blood-covered face. Washing it away with steaming water, she dressed and arranged her golden hair. James, his heart ever dedicated to Quinn, had to begrudgingly admit that Geraldine was a goddess. Her dress was sheer and suggestive of a perfect body, preserved at its peak perfection thanks to James. Geraldine watched James and reassured him. The best way to get a man to want something is by telling him he can see it, but he can't have it. Rose stared at her watch while Robbie ordered them each a pint. Maybe got lost. I knew we should have met him at his apartment. Relax. This guy just won the Eastern Championship last night. He was probably up late celebrating with his mates. Adam is Muslim. He doesn't drink, Rose commented bleakly. And I doubt chess players celebrate like rugby jocks. Robbie lifted his pint and cheers defiantly, and Rose tapped on her cell phone. What are you doing? I'm texting Adam, asking him if he has directions to the pub that I sent him. It's his own bloody hometown. I think he can figure out how to find his local. Rose texted, nevertheless. She was doubtful that Adam had a clue where the corner pub was. His personality struck her as atypical and not someone known for being late to a meeting. Rose saw her phone light up and vibrate on the tabletop. He wants us to meet at his place. He's included the directions. Rose was on her feet, coughing, but determined. Robbie grabbed her hand to steady her. We're going to have to get you to a doctor soon. She forced a smile and headed for the door. Robbie chugged his pint and glanced sadly back at Rose's untouched glass. And then he followed her out the door. The walk was slower with Robbie still in recovery, but they made their way to Adam's apartment and rang the bell. There was no answer. Robbie turned the handle, and to his surprise, he could walk right in. Adam, mate, where are you? hollered Robbie, with Rose at his heels. The two searched the apartment with no sign of Adam. As the wind blew gently through the drapes, Rose stepped out onto the patio while Robbie checked the kitchen. He jumped back, and his stomach lurched when he saw what was in the sink, discovering a butcher knife covered in blood. He quickened his step out of the kitchen and ran to the patio. 
scene before him threw his mind into overdrive. Adam was sitting in a wire chair, his shirt soaked with his own blood. His tongue was torn or cut out and sitting on the table before him, glistening in the moonlight. His hands had been cut off at the wrists. He had certainly been sobbing as tears streamed down his face. At the sight of Robbie, he coughed, trying to speak. A spray of saliva and blood splattered across the cement floor. A man and a woman were standing at the edge of the balcony. Robbie did a double-take. Were they standing or floating? I'm sorry that our first meeting has to be so, um, dramatic, James bemused. It didn't start out that way. The lovely Geraldine and I stopped in to see if we might enroll him in the possibility of doing some consulting work, you know, sort of old-school chess master meets new champion. Ruth thought it a lovely idea. But alas, as I was presenting our offer, you two happened to text. Adam explained that he was late for a meeting, and I could only assume it was with you. He seemed quite keen to join your underdog cause, and, well, that's when things got ugly. James waved his hand like a game show host, as if the man bleeding to death were a new car. We started by cutting off his hands to ensure he would never touch a fucking chess piece again. James leapt off the railing gracefully and jerked Adam's head back in the air, by the hair. Looking him straight into the eyes, but I wasn't completely convinced he could refuse to help you. And you see, there's absolutely no way that I can allow you two to persuade the newest chess champion onto your side. No hard feelings, of course. It's a mere matter of survival. And, well, speaking of survival, do you want to put the poor boy out of his misery? I mean, I imagine neither of you has ever killed anyone before. We cut out his tongue, so he won't be giving you any helpful words of advice on the game. All that's left to do now, really, is to kill him. Any takers? Robbie and Rose stared at James and Geraldine in horror. I thought not. But you know, you really should get some practice, and goodness knows Adam would thank you for it. Robbie backed his way to the patio door and put a hand protectively over Rose. Geraldine was staring at her hungrily, and it made Robbie defensive. James clicked a button in his hand, and Geraldine's head jolted backwards, her neckline glowing. Never mind, then. Perhaps it's better that you saw your own fate in our dear friend here. Geraldine, my lovely, how about that meal I promised you? Now you must forgive Geraldine. Her manners are impeccable, but she's very thirsty at the moment. Hearing this, Adam's eyes bulged in fear, and he shook his head no, as if to plead for his life. It took no time for Geraldine to leap nimbly off of the railing and onto the patio table. She picked up the severed tongue and licked it, savoring the taste as her eyes rolled back in her head with pleasure. Adam nearly cried as she transformed from runway model to monster in a split second. Her jaws gaped open as if there had been unhinged, and before Adam knew it, she lunged an attack, knocking him and the chair to the floor. As Adam lay helplessly on his back, trapped in the chair, her teeth plunged deep into his jugular. Unaccustomed to drinking the blood of others, Geraldine bit down too hard and crushed Adam's windpipe in the process. She drank as much as she could before her victim was dead from lack of oxygen. 
Rose began to hyperventilate as Adam's body jerked and twitched in the death throes. His face wore the look of anguish frozen in death. James smiled. Well, I'm glad we've had this first introduction. We really must be going. Ruth is expecting us. See you at the game. With that, he took Geraldine's hand, and the two leapt together off of the railing, gliding effortlessly to the ground several stories below. When they were gone, Rose felt her knees buckle. Robbie pulled her into his chest, and the two stood there trembling together well into the night. What have we done? Rose sobbed. That poor man is dead because of us. Didn't you hear what they said? They were coming for him already. As soon as he won that championship, he was a dead man. When they felt as though the two vampires were far away, they slowly made their way back to the hotel, and once inside, Rose double and triple-checked the balcony lock.